Welcome to American Indian and Alaska Native Living, a program designed to educate and inspire listeners throughout Indian country. American Indian and Alaska Native Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he is here today to help you learn more about your health. Here is Dr. DeRose. Welcome to today's edition of the broadcast. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we're going to interact with a really compelling guest. She's got an amazing story and some really practical things that can make a difference for you and for those that you love. Her name is Sherry Hoppen. Sherry, it is great to have you with us today. It is great to be here. Thanks for having me. Sherry, a lot of folks know your name. You are the author of a new book called Sober Cycle. You're also the founder of something called She Surrenders. For those who don't know you, tell us first a little bit about She Surrenders. Interesting name. What's behind it? Well, what's behind it is basically um, what happened in my life. And that's when I named the ministry after She Surrenders came out of what I felt was a need for recovery of a community of women, particularly faith-based, because I, um, being a woman, a Christian, kind of caught in the horrible snare of addiction, um, I, I couldn't find anybody else in my shoes, basically. Mm. And as I started speaking and sharing my story, um, women started reaching out to me and I started blogging and that's just kind of how it snowballed. So it's just kind of a safe place um, for resource and for conversation about all things recovery. Great. So how long has She Surrenders existed for? About five years. Um, I have a little, I'll have eight years of sobriety this November. And it was about two years into my sober journey that um, things started to happen with that. I'm so excited about your story because there, of course, are a lot of folks that tune in to uh, American Indian and Alaska Native Living who do come from a Christian orientation, but I've got a lot of listeners who, you know, that's pretty foreign to them, and Christianity doesn't bring up warm feelings, whether it was the name of Christ being misused in a boarding school context or, you know, even going back further than that in uh, First Nations history on this continent. But having said all that, you're really there, you're out there, and you're making a difference, uh, as I understand your ministry, for anybody who jumps on to the website shesurrenders.com. Have I sized that up correctly? Yes, and I am all about faith-based recovery, but I will say in that same sentence that I'm all about recovery. I'm about whatever works for you, because there are so many different recovery paths, and I feel at least personally, that the, the faith part of it does nothing but enhance recovery. And um, yeah, so I want to encourage you in whatever your journey is, is into how you're trying to free yourself from addiction of any kind. So Sherry, the book that you have out currently is called Sober Cycle. Is this more of an autobiographical book? Is it more about, you know, kind of a self-help book? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, it started on um, the title Sober Cycle, and the, the subtitle is Pedaling Through Recovery One Day at a Time, because the cycle part of it was 
stems from, I worked in ministry at the time that I was um, deep into addiction. I worked um, for a uh, pregnancy center that was holding a fundraising event that involved riding your bike from Michigan to Texas and bicycle, like pedaling bicycle. And um, I was asked to do this ride kind of off the cuff, like you should do the ride for life. And it came out of a conversation that I had about where I was stuck. Um, I had been praying for physical, mental, spiritual, I needed fixing in all those areas. And I kind of um, just blew it off and didn't give it a whole lot more thought, but God had a different plan. And he definitely worked in my husband who pushed me to do it because I was um, not in an athletic mode at all. I hadn't ridden a bike in years. I didn't even own a bike, but somehow, some way, uh, 51 days later, I left on that bike trip and thinking that was going to fix me. That was going to cure my addiction. And, uh, this was my way out. So that along with a lot of other kind of crazy things I tried, um, to free myself from addiction, are chronicled in the book, but that would definitely be the main one that goes down is probably in my mind, the craziest of all things, but I did it, but it wasn't the cure. So the book kind of um, chronicles, you know, those different journeys and finally how I did um, get sober and what life looks like today. And I'm hoping that it encourages those that are in that pit of addiction that they don't think that recovery is possible um, because that's where I was. Um, I would hear the encouragement and the stories from, you know, other people, other women saying, you know, like, it's worth it. It's worth it. You can do this. Life will be better. And my immediate thought was, you don't know me because mm. that that's not possible. And obviously it was. I'm very interested about this bike ride because I've, worked with groups over the years and sometimes they're going to go from you know chicago to la but they're not really walking or riding all the way from chicago to la they're you know doing five miles today and they're just adding it up and putting it on a map <laughs> uh you know kind of a virtual journey it, was this one of those or did you literally go all the way from michigan to texas we did for the most part we rode an average of the minimum, I believe, was 75 miles a day, and wow. sometimes it was 115, I think was our max. Um, it was exactly about 1,000 miles from our location here in Michigan to Texas, which um, we were riding to a convention um, that was for the ministry that we were raising money for. And um, there were a couple times weather, um, bad roads. Um, caused us to have to, um, in bike terms, they say sag ahead. You have to get in a vehicle and, you know, get brought to another location. That happened a couple times. And our finish line was definitely not what we had planned as far as riding in because there was a tropical storm, almost hurricane for mine, wow. I think it was called, <laughs> that um, definitely put a damper, if you want to say, um, in cliche, but it was sideways rain and wind but we got out of the vehicle after having gone ahead to get to the destination and rode that last mile in just through that storm just to be able to ride across the finish line but wow. yeah so it was um 
I think it was 760 miles in the end. So uh-huh. it was a long ways. Okay. It was a very long ways. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I appreciate things that integrate fitness and, you know, mental outlook, you know, the spiritual dimension. So I know there's a lot of exciting elements to your story. But can we step back even further? I mean, are you comfortable sharing a little bit of how you got into difficult situation with substances? Sure. I would say that, first of all, you can, you know, be told there was addiction in my family. I lost um, my younger brother. I was 28. He was 24 to a tragic car accident. He was killed with his best friend. And... Mm. Alcohol was a factor. So our family, you know, throughout the generations had been hit by addiction. And I proudly said, that will never happen to me. Hmm. And was very conscious of that. And even things like after my brother was killed, I, I feel like if I was going to turn to a substance like alcohol, it would have been then. So I kind of felt like I had this like I, I had it figured out. And um, the thing about addiction is you don't realize that you've been sucked in until it's too late. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. over the years, I was drinking more, but I would gauge compared to my friends or, you know, other social situations and I thought I'm fine. And then came the time where there was nothing that traumatic other than just life that was happening. Um, our kids were getting older. We had married very young. And um, so I kind of feel like we started growing up together. We had kids right away. And I had this idea of what the perfect family was going to look like. And my family was going to look like that. Mm-hmm. All I ever wanted was to be, you know, a really good wife and mother. And, you know, your kids get older they start talking back and um, my husband and I weren't, weren't getting along. And so I felt like everything was kind of crumbling. Mm-hmm. And instead of dealing with it, I basically just said, forget. And I mm-hmm. started drinking more and I started drinking earlier in the day. And I started drinking before every social situation and people were noticing and calling me out on it. But um until, you know, the, the rock bottom moment that I write about in the book, I hit it for many, many years. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, working in ministry. I was a choir leader at our church. I was the football mom with a bottle, a water bottle full of vodka in my purse all wow. the time. Wow. I mean, it's an amazing story. And it's such a common story that we hear across demographic lines. I mean, Nobody says, hey, I'm going to start drinking because I want to become an alcoholic. And it's so deceptive. All these substances that seem to be there, they seem to be your friends. Some people have made the analogy to uh, substance abuse as an addictive relationship. Seems like, you know, it's always there for you and offering you this warmth and can just go there, whatever situation you're dealing with, you know, the alcohol, the other substance will be there for you. But like you found... It has a way of just creeping up on you and consuming you. It doesn't happen to everyone, but I'm just shocked by how many people just think they're in control. I mean, this is uh, no big deal. Uh, I'm choosing to do this. I'm drinking responsibly. Did the thought ever cross your mind? I mean, I'm thinking especially when you lost, you know, tragically lost your brother. Did you ever 
think for a moment, maybe I should just not use this stuff at all? Or was that the furthest thing from your mind? At the time, like in a situation like when my brother was killed, um, there wasn't, I was depressed. I mean, I went through mm-hmm. a horrible depression. And on the other side of that, we, well, while I was depressed, um, no drinking. There was a couple of times maybe that, you know, I overdid it. Um, the depression, you know, the alcohol just made it worse. Mm-hmm. So right. I wasn't drinking that much, but um, what happened, our children were six and eight when we had um, another little surprise and I got pregnant. Um, and that pretty much feel like I was headed down the road towards drinking too much addiction possibly, but it was um, kind of curtailed and, you know, brought to an abrupt halt with pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So kind of the whole cycle started over again, you know, like we're going to do better and we have this new baby and um, she's a surprise, but she was such a gift. She gave mm-hmm. our family something to look forward to instead of always, you know, looking back at the tragedy that had happened. I mean, that goes for the grandparents, everybody. So sure. it was kind of like we, like I got a reprieve is how I look at it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then, you know, it wasn't more than a couple of years later that, you know, things started to look the same again, as far as life and, you know, the diff- common difficulties. But with something like alcohol, when you're using it, mm-hmm. you lose your other coping skills. You don't know how to get through the hard things. You don't know how to handle the argument, you know, with your teenager or, you know, your husband yelling at you for spending too much money or, you know, just common things that you should have coping skills for you don't build them and you don't have them to use them either. No, I'll tell you, it's a, it's a common story and we're just so excited, Sherry, because you're telling it on the other side, you've gotten help, you've had uh, success, you've been sober for some eight years and now you're uh, helping other people. You're doing it through your website, through your ministry, she surrenders.com and through your book, sober cycle. Sherry, we are looking forward to learning a lot more from you in today's show, and uh, we want to encourage our listeners, do not go away. We do have to step away just uh, ever so briefly, but we definitely do not want you to miss uh, Sherry as she continues to share with us insights, practical things for you, for your family, for those that you love. We'll be back right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please reach out to us on the web at A-I-A-N-L dot O-R-G. That stands for American Indian Alaska Native Living. Again, A-I-A-N-L dot org. Or you can call us at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. For 13 and one half years, I was the victim of severe child abuse. I was being beaten, cursed, and deprived of any kind of love and care. It was a big secret. Children are born to be loved, not to be abused. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to, someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. 
but these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information, like your Social Security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General, at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose on today's edition of the broadcast. Sherry Hoppen is my guest. She's talking about her book, Sober Cycle, and about really an exciting ministry for those of you that are ladies or those of you that have special ladies in your life who could use help on the journey of sobriety. It's called SheSurrenders.com. Sherry, you've kind of drawn us into your world. It's very similar to many people. I mean, they may have grown up in a different area, but somehow alcohol was part of their life. It got out of control. And, you know, we always hear there comes a chapter usually called the rock bottom experience where people realize they've got to change. Tell us a little bit about how that played out in your life. Yeah. So, you know, people are noticing, people are commenting, friends that are, friends that would address it with me. I wrote them off very quickly. I had no use for them. Um, so you're starting to isolate more and life isn't fun with drinking anymore because I wasn't drinking publicly anymore because everybody was getting after me about my drinking and my husband was begging me to stop. And I would go through, um, sober periods of time, um, six months, one time, even nine months, but in my head, I knew I was going to drink again. It was kind of like I was playing a waiting game. Hmm. and um after a period of you know hiding it really hiding it for like three years from 2010 to 2013 basically I pretended to the world I was done drinking Hmm. I was drinking secretly all the time and the last time that I drank um and it's detailed more in the book um I had planned to drink I had planned um when my husband was gone and I was just going to drink all weekend. And to me, that was the perfect weekend and hmm. just have it together by the time he came home. And I look back now and I'm thinking, <laughs> what, how is that a good weekend? You know? So, uh-huh. um, I mean, I remember my daughters were 
you know, one was going on a college visit and the other one asked me, you know, to go shopping or something. And I was like, no, got some projects, you know, but I think back and I'm like, what a waste, you know, just mm. drinking, pass out, drink, repeat, you know, for an entire weekend. And that was not the first time that happened. So, but this time something was different and I was having, um, I was scared. I had, I had first tried to write it off as paranoia, but I was pretty sure I had alcohol poisoning mm. and I was scared and I called a friend and she came over, she stayed with me all day and got me through it. Um, medically I look back and it was pretty scary. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know. It was, it was God that pulled me through that day. I have no doubt in my mind about that. But when my husband came home the next day, and I eventually told him, you know, what had happened over the weekend. And he just said, you know, I, you have a choice here. You have one of two choices. If you choose to drink again, you have to go to rehab, which was something I was terrified of because mm. then I would be kind of disappear for 30 days and people would wonder, people would talk and um, I would have to really address what was going on. And he said, if you do drink again and you choose not to go to rehab, I'm going to leave. And that was the first time that he said that. Hmm. And um, we, neither one of us believed that divorce was an option, but he said, I am going to leave. I'm going to separate. I'm not going to cover for you with the kids, your friends, your rest of the family. He said, I'm out. And I actually said, I need to think about it, hmm. which to me, <laughs> Yeah, I really didn't have a choice, but yeah, you know, which, um, and he went to work the next day that was on a Sunday night and he went to work the next day and I spent that whole next day just being quiet and crying and, and, and talking to God. And because even though I was abusing alcohol pretty severely those last couple of years, I was still, I was pursuing my relationship with the Lord mm -hmm. and I knew he wasn't giving up on me and I, it's really hard to explain, but it's, I always say that I knew that every time I drank, I turned my back on whatever plans for the future he had for me. Wow. And I, it was super obvious to me, but yet I still did. So that time I just, that day I had one of those flat on my face surrender moments, which is where the name of the ministry comes from. And I didn't have, there were no angels in the background singing the hallelujah chorus, mm -hmm, you know, she's mm -hmm. saved, yay, you know, and life didn't turn into all puppy dogs and rainbows. It was hard, but it wasn't an option anymore. It was done. Tremendous. And, yeah. So did you actually end up going through a rehab program or you just said, hey, I'm done and I'm praying and asking God for help? Was that kind of the scenario? It was very much a scenario and it sounds like... um I always say that women, women, we can talk about addiction. Like we do labor stories. Like, well, mm -hmm. mine was worse. Mine was way worse than yours, you know? <laughs> so I don't want to sit here and say like, mine was really bad, but I'm here to tell you it was, it uh -huh. wasn't, I drank too much wine at book club on a weeknight or something like that. Mm -hmm. It was severe drinking and, um, I, my health was suffering. Um, everything was suffering. And in that moment, um, I said to my husband, you have no reason to believe that I'm going to make it this time, mm -hmm. but I'm going to, 
and he's a he's a saint he's a great man um i'm very very blessed to have him but there were nights where he would walk in the door those first especially that first month and he would just he he he's like give me a number 10 meant get me out of here now and you know one was there was never a one but like a five meant you know what i I think we could just like chill and do dinner and we still had um our youngest daughter was living at home but there was a lot of nights where he walked in the door and we walked right back out the door and we would go to a movie because i could at least just i could it'd be eight o'clock when we got home and i could go to bed Mm -hmm. and some days Mm -hmm. that's just how i got through but i did it with his support and i did it with staying close to god and all the promises he'd been telling me about for a couple years so let's talk about she surrenders the website and the ministry that you have so speak to you know maybe it's a native young lady she's tuning in maybe she's uh, got into trouble with substances when she was in in school uh, maybe she's back home on the reservation maybe she's in an urban area maybe it's an older individual it doesn't matter where they're at in their life path but they're saying i just need to reach out to someone, maybe like you, they didn't want everyone to know. They don't want everyone else in the reservation to know they've got an issue. Uh, oftentimes they know anyway, but right. um, the point is they want to reach out. So what does someone do? Do they just go to the website? Do they call? How does this work? Just go to the website and there's a lot of information there. Um, I've been blogging for about five years. So there's I believe over well over a hundred blogs on there that speak into um, what you might be going through and into that young woman that's, you know, hiding, um, whether it's on a Indian reservation or somewhere like I was working in a ministry, that's really hiding. Mm-hmm. And I would say that number one, you're not alone mm-hmm. because someone else is in the same shoes that you are, but nobody wants to talk about it. And going to a place like she surrenders, it's safe. Nobody, you know, you don't have to, um, walk into a church basement and tell your story. I, um, I connect with everybody that reaches out to me and I have, um, we have a secret Facebook group called joyful surrender where we, um, there's women from all over the U S and Australia, which is crazy to me Uh that we've connected. And we have these, um, zoom meetings and if you don't want to have your video on, that's okay. Um, but it doesn't take long, usually one or two meetings before someone's like, I don't care anymore. And mm-hmm. these are a bunch, these are women that are, have been in recovery, some longer than me and some one day at times, wow. but we, wow. we, we just, we embrace each other virtually and just speak into each other's lives. And I have, you know, a lot of women who are willing to be mentors and walk alongside you mm-hmm. in it. And just, just know that you're not alone and there is somebody else walking through the same thing that you are, no matter what your addiction is. And, um, we just want to love you through it. Yeah, this is fantastic, Sherry. I know, you know, the whole design of Alcoholics Anonymous when it was started was this anonymity. I mean, it's in the name, but the reality is if you're going to someplace in your community, uh, people see, like you said, so you go into the basement of the church, you go into the community center, the tribal center, wherever the meeting's taking place. And so in this age of virtual connections, you can connect with women from all over the world, literally. Well, maybe it's a bit of an exaggeration, but at least English-speaking women, whether they're in North America, Australia, or somewhere else, and uh, no one has to know in your community 
that you're getting that help. Yeah. And I've told people that, um, well, it's the virtual meetings, you know, have really taken off in, in all arenas, you know, with COVID, but I've said to um, women that I talked to, like, are you nuts? Come to a virtual meeting. I had to walk into that church basement and that took so much courage. And I found out it really wasn't my thing, you know, the 12 step mm-hmm. program. And like I said, I'm for whatever works for you. But honestly, with COVID, you have this opportunity where you can just sign onto your computer and you can sign off if you don't like it or you don't want to be there and never have to see anybody again. So the anonymous part of it, I feel like that's a huge advantage, but especially with women, this works. Tremendous stuff, Sherry. We have to step away just briefly. We're going to talk more about things that can be a tremendous resource for you, for those you love. SheSurrenders.com is the website. We're going to talk more about Sherry's book, how that can help you, even if you don't reach out to someone personally. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. American Indian and Alaska Native Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please contact us on the web at AIANL.org or call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. The most negative thinking in my childhood was the things said to me. I felt like I was a bag of garbage waiting to go to the dump. Please, moms and dads, put a watch on your mouth as you relate to your children. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to. Someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org. Papa, why can't we telegraph while riding a horse? Son, there ain't no one to blame but Jeffro. He was riding old Betsy the Stallion, tip-tapping away at his telegraph, when blam, ran right into the side of the saloon. Well, if Jeffro can't do it, neither should you. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dr. Nia Heard-Garris with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Every year, hundreds of teens drown. If your teen hasn't learned to swim yet, it's never too late. Even if your teen is a strong swimmer, make sure to supervise kids of any age. No one should swim alone. Teach them to enter the water feet first, wear life jackets on a boat, and never use alcohol or drugs on the water. Drowning is preventable. For more, visit HealthyChildren.org. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for youth. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs and dangerous things like metals into your body. And nicotine, which can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. 
Welcome back to the second half of today's edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. With me, Sherry Hoppen. Sherry is the author of the book Sober Cycle. If you're just joining us, Sherry's been sharing with us her own journey to recovery and uh, how she's been helping other people, hundreds, thousands of other people through her books, through her website, to uh, embrace sobriety and maintain it. Sherry, a lot of folks are wondering a bit more about the book. They're saying, well, I don't know if I'm ready to engage with you personally on SheSurrenders.com, but the book sounds kind of interesting. So tell us a little bit about what someone will find if they pick up a copy of the book. Well, what they will find is, I think when I read it or when I wrote it, there was many times where I thought, are you crazy? You know, like, I can't believe you did some of the things you did either to try and hide your addiction or to get out of your addiction. And the, the ride for life that I talk about, which is where the name sober cycle came from, um, would definitely um, be at the top of the list because it didn't fix me. But as I, w- I was telling someone last night that I was so angry after that first ride because I thought it was going to be the game changer. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. But now I look back and I think about all the things that I've learned along the way on that ride about myself, mainly that I can do hard things. And that kind of stayed with me. Mm-hmm. And that there was no way. I mean, the book opens up with, I left for that ride with, after a three-day binge drinking, I mean, I really don't know how to describe it. Well, I mean, the book describes it, but I binge drank horribly for three Mm. days before we left. And I basically detoxed that first 300 miles. Wow. And yeah, I know if you know anything about detox, which I'm sure you do, being a doctor, it's not a smart idea to do that on a bike. So while everybody else is starting to get physically beat up from this ride, I'm starting to feel better because I'm not hung over anymore. But I mean, it definitely, yeah, again, it definitely goes down as one of the stupider things that I've done, but there's no reasoning when it comes to addiction. That was, I knew mm-hmm. what I was up against. I had done really well over that 50 days before, as far as um, abstaining from drinking, because training and drinking and this new group of people I was all of a sudden immersed in was those, the two don't go together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I knew there was going to be consequences if I drank, but I was so determined that no one else knew. I made sure that no one else knew, even when I was throwing up at the first break stop in the restroom, you know, wow. and yeah. So the the mantra in my mind, if I can do hard things, definitely stayed with me. So um, I would say the first half of the book is about the ride for life. And the, and the second half was about the last few years to get sober and the events that brought me there. And mm-hmm. It says on the book that I share my story with honesty and humor, um, and that couldn't be more true. I, you have to be able to laugh at some of the things you did, and I love to use humor in just about anything and everything. And I've given myself a lot of things to laugh at, so a lot of good material there. Okay. And, um, <laughs> so, yeah, and honesty. I mean, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't push on it. It is what it is. And sometimes it's a little brutal to hear. It was hard for my kids to read. Mm-hmm. And 
and, you know, see this backstory that was going on in our family that they were aware of, but they had no idea the depth of it. Mm -hmm. So um, the risk in writing the book, that was a little hard, but Mm -hmm. we worked through it and I think we're stronger together as a family because of it. Great. Great. Yeah. So you're especially reaching out to women. She surrenders.com, especially a site for women going on this journey. Like you are, how about the book? I mean, could a guy pick it up and uh, benefit from it? What do you think? Yes, a guy could benefit from it because your wife might be the one drinking. Mm-hmm. And I did have a guy, um, a guy, friend of ours that read it and said, so he's in recovery, but he said, wow. He said, you know, if anything, this shows me that we will do anything to keep people from finding out mm. or taking away our drug of choice. You know, he says, man or woman, that it's the same thing. It's the same thought process. The only thing that I say that probably women will relate to it more is because of how much we try and hide because we don't want that persona of um, I'm a good mom or I'm a good wife. You know, we don't want people to know about that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm these struggles are going on in, in many, many homes. And, um, you know, I just feel like it's relatable because of, you know, I'm just normal little Sherry hopping, you know, housewife on a bike, alcoholic, you know? So, you know, I'm not some superstar telling my story. And I also had someone reach out to me and this, this comment just meant so much to me that she had lost her husband a few years ago and he struggled with alcohol. And she said, for the first time, I feel like I know what he might have been going through. Mm. And Mm -hmm. so to me, I guess that answers the question. There is something for everybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. And, you know, the thing I have to also wonder about, Sherry, you know, as you're telling your story and, and there's a lot of folks that listen to the show, no doubt some of them right now are, uh, at the point in their life where they're trying to hide their alcohol use. And one of the questions always comes up is, you know, how much were you fooling yourself and how much were you fooling other people? So kind of after, you know, you, you're sober and you're interacting with your family about this, you mentioned three years thinking you were hiding this from everyone. Was it successful at the family level? Did people, did your friends know outside the home? What insight do you have into that right now? Well, I I said earlier, you know, the friends that did confront me, I wrote off. Hmm. They were of no use to me. And that sounds harsh and selfish, (laughs) but that's what addiction is. Mm -hmm. And if you weren't going to go along with my choices, then I really didn't want to be with you anymore. Okay. Wow. So there's a lot of isolation that occurs and that isolation stems from shame as well. You Mm -hmm. know, you're ashamed But it also comes from the fact that you have no interest in being around activities or people that you can't um, hide your addiction from. Mm -hmm. And yeah, people were noticing. Um, Thankfully, I was never fired from a job. Never had a DUI. I never went Mm -hmm. to jail. All those things should have happened. (laughs) And, you know, I'm... They should have. There, uh-huh. there is so many times that I would wake up in the morning and say, good Lord, why do you keep saving me? Because uh-huh. I had no understanding of it. But my kids, um, 
they thought that I was maintaining my sobriety those last few years. And that was the hard part to acknowledge, you know, when, you know, I was writing the book that I was like, you know what, you guys, I was, I was lying. And that was really hard. In turn, my son recently said, he gave me a gift. He said, mom, I didn't know it was that bad. I didn't know. Hmm. It stemmed from me saying, you know what, you have to read the book and it's going to be out there and you need to, you know, I need you to read it. And he's like, Hmm. I don't want to read it. He said, because I had a good childhood Hmm. and I don't want to know what was going on. I want to hang on to that. And I was so grateful for that. Hmm. It was like giving me a mom pass that, Uh. you know what, you weren't quite as bad as what you thought, you know, but Uh You know, that mother lion, you do want to protect your children, even in addiction. I mean, if that was, you know, the the harm in, you know, the things that were negative in our relationship that I know came from my drinking or, you know, those are hard to deal with. But I'm very thankful that they've given me so much grace and they're willing to go forward. They have, they're like, we have no reason to look back, you know, so that part is huge to me. So Sherry, let's now talk to the person who may be at the point where they know, I mean, something's got to change. And you've already said there's an opportunity for them to jump onto SheSurrenders.com. I'm assuming if a guy jumped on there, you're going to say, well, maybe this isn't the right place for you? Or or how, how do you handle that? I mean, just first out of the box. So anybody can, you know, subscribe to the website which mm-hmm. I encourage because then you receive, you know, the emails, the updates, the blogs, you know, things that are happening like with the book. And I do have some male subscribers, but I won't let you into a joyful surrender meeting. Okay. So that's where, you know, that's, that's, that's the girls club. So, uh-huh. um, but I also, I've directed men that reach out about their wife, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. give them my phone number directly. I'll talk to her, you wow. know, the other thing is, is if a male reaches out for his own problem, I do know a lot of um, men that are willing to talk and mm-hmm. I'll say, Hey, here's a number. Call, call my wow. friend, you know, so-and-so. And that's happened before it, or I'll direct them to a meeting in their area or mm-hmm. you name it. There's a resource for everybody there. And if it's not there, I'll find it for you. That's just such a great message. So those of you tuning in today to the broadcast, all you got to do is remember she surrenders. Uh, and that's plural. She surrenders, or I guess it has to do with the tense of the verb, uh, which is uh, more precise. But anyway, she surrenders.com. And basically go to that website. You can directly connect with Sherry. You can sign up. You can subscribe, take advantage of all the great stuff that she's put out there. Um, Let's say somebody is kind of like you, Sherry. They're not going to go the rehab route. They may not even be all that excited about a virtual group. If they were to pick up a copy of your book, does the book actually help walk people through how they can go from a life of addiction to a life of sobriety? Well, I don't give you a 12-step or anything like that. But I think that in sharing my story... I believe, number one, it provides hope. And Mm. it gives you a glimmer of hope that she's saying if she can do it, so can I. Like, it gives you, you know, 
I guess to, to use the term, I throw you a bone. Okay. Okay. And it's doable, which I never dreamed possible. If, you know, yesterday was the official launch of the book and my husband said to me, um, what do you think? And I just, this is at the end of a uh-huh. super packed day. And I said, you know, I don't even know me. I said, I don't even mm. know me. And he said, well, I did. He said, she was in there all the time. Mm. And if we look at what, 10 years ago, nine, eight years ago, mm-hmm. looked like for us right now, for me, I would know that anything is possible. Wow. Anything is possible. Wow. So it's true. That is such a message of hope, Sherry. And uh, I know my folks who are regular listeners, it's resonating with them and some who may have just jumped on and joined us for this broadcast. As we uh, wind up this segment, and I know you have to step away, at least that's my understanding, the final segment, I think we've got something else lined up or, or were you able to arrange your schedule to stay by for the final segment? I can, I can stay by. I would love to. Okay, wonderful, because I know there's some other great stuff that I wanted to cover with you. So Sherry's not going to go away. You stay in there, too, because uh, some of this last stuff may be the most powerful for you. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We've got more coming up, our final segment of American Indian and Alaska Native Living, coming up right after these important messages. Don't go away. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. If child abuse victims don't get counseling or help, they so often become abusers themselves. The victim doesn't make the decisions. They just take the orders. I got help. And so can you. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to, someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Flace with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. If you own firearms, it's your responsibility to make sure they're always stored safely. Hiding them in a closet or drawer is not enough. Kids know where they are. Research shows the risk of injury and death is lower if guns are stored unloaded and locked up with the ammunition locked in a separate place. This is important when children are young as well as when they grow into teenagers. For more, talk with your pediatrician or visit HealthyChildren.org. So I wanted to talk with you and your mom today, Lily, because some people at school have noticed changes going on with you, and we're concerned. Like what? Who? Some of your friends, teachers. Sounds like you've lost interest in a lot of things lately. You're hanging with new friends? So? So, individually, maybe those things are no big deal. But taken together, and then the incident the other day, you were with Derek when he was caught selling marijuana. Yeah, he was selling it. Honey, we know. But we care about you and and want to know what's going on. That's right. We just want to understand better and see how we might help. And if weed is a part of it, we just want to make sure you understand the negative consequences for someone your age. The physical and mental health effects, the poor decision-making, and the confusing legal aspects these days. So what do you say? Can we talk? For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. 
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to the final segment of today's edition of the broadcast. Dr. David DeRose with Sherry Hoppin. We've been speaking about that journey that is so common throughout Indian country and throughout the world. It doesn't matter where you're at today. Many people struggling with addiction. Sherry, you've walked the walk, and we want to really talk with you in this last segment about something that I think is perhaps one of the most important things we can discuss, and that has to do with family. When family members recognize they've got a mother, a father, a sister, brother who's struggling with the substances, whether it's alcohol or something else, what can they do? Especially, uh, as you illustrated, uh, people often not all that receptive to those messages. Help us with that one. Well, I would say I'll start with the worst thing you can do. The worst (laughs) thing you can do is um, make this your problem. Mm. I mean, I realize if it's in your home, it is a family problem. But you can spend a lot of time trying to find where it's hidden or, you know, disposing of it. But I guarantee you, they, you can always get more. Mm-hmm. So that's just, mm-hmm. a, you know, a waste of time. But the biggest, the best thing you can do is first of all, educate yourself. And um, just like we do in addiction, find your people, mm-hmm. find your support, um, whether it's in your church family or in your tribe people that are going through the same thing that you are I guarantee you someone else can say to you I know how you feel and um, the internet's an amazing tool you can find Mm -hmm. um, a lot of things there my husband went to Al-Anon and that really wasn't it wasn't his thing but what you can do for the addict where I used to work we had a mission statement that said loving people through life's most important decisions. And that decision was a crisis. And this is a crisis in your home. But what I learned was that my family still loved me and Mm -hmm. they were willing to to fight for me, but I had to be willing to fight as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the end, my husband did issue that ultimatum but I'm thankful that there were not threats made, you know, throughout the years of, you know, I'm going to leave you or you're going to rehab or whatever. Mm-hmm. He tried. He's a good man. He tried for a long time, you know, for us, you know, to work through this. And in the end, yeah, I did go to therapy. I went to therapy for many years and sometimes he did too, when we were addressing some marriage issues, but the, the biggest thing, that I tell any friend or family member is don't threaten, don't tell them what they have to do Mm. because quitting has to be their decision Mm -hmm. and you can't force somebody into recovery, but do what you need to do to keep yourself healthy, sane and supported. Very practical stuff. So it sounds like someone who's wanting to understand a a loved one who's going through an addiction sober cycle your book you know can definitely give some real windows into that whole process right definitely definitely i think that's the the biggest thing to gain from it is this 
I feel like my book is written from the standpoint of not as a, a teaching tool, but it is a learning tool mm-hmm. to learn about how addiction affect you know, how the mind works in addiction. Um, what you think makes sense makes absolutely no sense at all, mm-hmm. but that's how strong addiction is. It, it lies to you. It tells you it's your best friend. And then, you know, it's like that. I think in the book, I use the analogy of a middle school friend, you know, huh. one day they're there and the next day they're not, you yeah. know, and, uh, or one day you're part of the popular club and the next day you're mm-hmm. not. So, mm-hmm. um, very true. So I know you've got another book in the works. I mean, folks can, uh, of course, access your writing without buying anything. They can go simply to shesurrenders.com. They can, you know, read your blogs. Uh, they can pick up a copy of the book there. And maybe before we talk about the new book, let me see if I've got this straight. If I go to shesurrenders.com and I buy the book there, um, if it comes from that site, I'm going to get an autographed copy by the author herself, namely you. Yes, you will. It would be my honor and my pleasure to do that. And if I jump onto Amazon, I can get the book, but probably not going to be signed. Is that safe to say? Correct. So, yeah, either way, it's available. It's available on all major booksellers now, I believe, too. Okay. So Sober Cycles, the book, we got that. But you're, uh, it wasn't like you wrote that book and you said, wow, it was the worst thing I've ever done, never again. You're already working on another book. Is that true? Yeah, because... You know, we addicts, we're achievers, you know, we, we're driven, but, um, and sometimes it works for the good, right? So mm-hmm. I love writing. I've, I've wanted to write since I was a, a little girl. Wow. And I feel like for years I wondered what I should be writing about. And then God gave me a story mm. and I can't ignore that. So, mm-hmm. and he gave me a good one. I mean, I feel like it's relatable and um, I like to write about it because I just want people to know there's a way out. So, you know, Sober Cycle kind of covers the journey into addiction. And I recently um, started writing a new book and I'm calling it, and I hope the title sticks because I believe it's a good one. It's called The After Party. Hmm. And it's about the subtitle, I believe, is Guilt and Shame Need Not Attend. Like um, the after party after you sober up or after you leave behind your, your, you know, your addiction or your hang up or your abusive, whatever it is, mm-hmm. life looks different, but it's very daunting because there's no manual on how to do life after you put down mm-hmm. the drink in my mind. So it was a learning process and it still is, but I wish somebody could have told me how to navigate through business dinners, social situations, you know, or talking to that friend that you hurt very badly. Mm -hmm. Uh, All those things, rebuilding your family. There's so many things that happen and so many of them are, are good things and things that need to happen, but they're difficult. So I think that that's a lot of times why people fail when it comes to overcoming addiction, because it's hard and Mm. you have this daunting, you know, I don't know what to do about that or this or that person. And it's easier to just give back in. So I want to help people walk through that. 
that's just wonderful. So if I can remember the after party, I mean, the title may get tweaked, you know, from the publisher between now and then. But the point is this whole idea of just giving people more tools to help them on that uh, journey of recovery, uh, that journey of maintenance or relapse prevention. I mean, different terms are used in the medical literature, of course. But right now, if I really need that kind of material, I don't have to wait for the book because you've got a lot of it on your website already. Do I understand that correctly? Yeah, and that is kind of where the second book is where it stemmed from because those blogs, um, I blogged weekly for the first three or four years, I mm-hmm. believe. So there's a lot there and it's about what I was doing and what I was learning. And it wasn't just telling my story. It was just facing the raw reality of what mm-hmm. sober life is. But it's also, you know, I don't want to be Debbie Downer here about sober life because I always say that the best and biggest realization I had was Yes, going through hard things sober is a new harsh reality. Hmm. You've got to learn how to do them. But nobody ever, ever shared with me, and this is the biggest thing that I want to share, is that the joy, hmm. your your joy when you're caught in addiction, it's it's capped. It's, mm-hmm. num- it's, it's not real. Mm-hmm. And the first time that I felt real joy, I was just blown away. I was shocked because it was just magnificent. Wonderful. It's inspiring to hear you, Sherry. I know a lot of folks are going to want to connect with the website. They're going to want to take advantage of the resources there, connect, uh, you know, in your women's support group. Again, if someone wants to contact you, give us the website and uh, remind us of how best to get the book. Yeah, so shesurrenders.com. And there you'll find um, resources, the blogs, the book, um, the different um, ways to connect and to reach out to me to get into our private meeting group. And um, the book, Sober Cycle, Pedaling Through Recovery One Day at a Time, I would love to send you a copy and um, write you a note inside it. Okay. And yeah, all the... I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and all the social media links are on the website as well to get to those. Tremendous. Sherry, thanks so much for carving time out of your busy schedule. It has been my honor and pleasure to be here. I've enjoyed it very, very much. Thank you. We do have to wind up. If uh, you're just catching us on the tail end, don't lose track of that website, shesurrenders.com. Her name is Sherry Hoppen and the book sober cycle. Well, that's all for today. I'm Dr. David DeRose, as always, wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.